Hey, everybody. It is Monday. We have a big show for you today. Don't worry. We're both here. I'm just doing the intro by myself, but Jason will be here in one second to talk about breaking news. Stuart Butterfield, Slack founder and CEO, is leaving Salesforce two years to the day after Salesforce bought his company Slack. We're going to talk about what that means for him, for Salesforce, and for founders who get acquired. We will also then break down Circle, canceling its SPAC, how that relates to lawlessness in crypto and SPACs and FTX, and what uh, more regulation might mean for people who are trying to be legit. And then finally, we have a super cool startup of the day. We're talking about VR helicopter pilot training and the idea that soon all knowledge will be available to us in one way or another, including virtual reality. It's going to be a great show. Stick with us. This Week in Startups is brought to you by Mixpanel helps startups find product market fit faster by offering powerful self-serve product analytics. Apply today to join Mixpanel's startup program and get $50,000 in credits at mixpanel.com slash startups. Crowdbotics. Great ideas can change the world. And Crowdbotics is the fastest way to turn those ideas into code. Get a free scoping session for your next big app idea at crowdbotics.com slash twist. And Fitbod. Tired of doing the same workouts at the gym? Fitbod will build you personalized workouts that help you progress with every set. Get 25% off your subscription or try out the app for free when you sign up now at fitbod.me slash twist. All right, Molly, happy Monday. Here we go again. Let's see if this news week... Let's see if this news week <laughs> slows down or and just keeps the uh, deluge of uh, just crazy news happening. It, it's crazy over the weekend now. I don't even get a break because, of course, the all-in pod drops on Saturday. Shout out to right. producer Nick who gives up every Friday night to oh my gosh, edit that bless him. same thing. By the bless way, him. and shout out to Rachel, too, for giving him his flowers on Twitter this weekend. She was like, I want everyone to know. How hard Nick works. It was awesome. It was not yes. weird. Nick. Thank you, Rachel. But that was super uncomfortable. You for guys me. Oh can my talk God. about how hard Sweetie. you work all the time. It's not me. It's not changing my opinion. Everybody work harder. <laughs> I get a lot of weird questions asking me. They're like, so what is it like on the all in pot? And I'm like, that's no a great idea. question. And you're like, I don't know. <laughs> there was a very funny comment. Freeberg replied to you and said something nice, but he said something like I was a hero or something ridiculous. And someone replied to him. It was like, oh, it's nice that you support your friend, but heroes a little much. And I was like, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah, man, social media. Nick's like, it's I agree, but also shut up, guy. Reply guy in social media. Reply guy. Always the best guy is the reply guy. <laughs> I got a lot of reply guys. I'm, I, uh, yeah, a lot of reply guys in my replies these days. Reply guys. Yeah. I got a lot of reply guys um, mm-hmm. who just feel like, Look, at, there's a certain type of reply guy uh, who's policing speech, but on a very grammatical level, you know? Oh, yes. Uh, the, so, the reply guy pedant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's a, like, oh, you're a yeah. hero. And they're like, well, technically a hero, oh, actually, you know, he's hardworking, but hero might be a little hard, which you're probably looking for is dedicated, right. you know, and, and they're just policing your, your, the, 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 the style of the writing or, or and the word choice. And then there's the ones that, that I like to call the literal net reply guy who've ah. never heard a joke before. Yes. They cannot detect sarcasm. Oh, those are my like, favorite. Those cannot. are my favorite. I mean, I'm like, dude, that sarcasm was a nine on the Richter scale and you didn't even pick it up. It did not even register. And they're like, I oh, get a actually. lot of those, but sometimes they're reply gals, <laughs> not just guys. I get a lot of reply gals who are who like are literal net. They got a little bit of the literal net. And I'm just, mm. I have a, 
gender in you know uh not specific i have a incredible gif of superman flying and it's i think it's from like superman three or four like one of the terrible christopher reeve supermans like the first two are amazing it's superman flying and he's like disoriented and he's looking around like this yeah uh, and you know and just like then somebody writes the joke and they have the word the joke bounce around the screen yes where superman is looking around and i believe he, i have he keeps seen that missing one. the joke and that's my for reply gals and girls who don't get the joke um i also put a hilarious laughing rolling on the floor laughing emoji to indicate jokes now on social i, I think that's wise we used to call it the i mean this is as far back as the buzz out loud days right like when twitter yeah. was new and you were discovering the yeah. literal net we, re we invented this concept called the sark mark uh, like we need a mark to indicate sarcasm. sarcasm similar to the tm or the the copyright yes. or the register the sark mark <laughs> i mean Satire. that is amazing by the way that's <laughs> it's just great he's just like what there's a joke here i, can't, I didn't get the joke uh, that's uh, awesome uh, that's awesome all right so um you know founders leave companies once in a while uh when they get bought by big companies it tends to be paradoxically molly on exactly calendar years so weird. for some reason hmm. uh but slack got bought exactly two years ago huh. By to the Salesforce. Day, now they were, I believe. To the today, to day. the day, December 5th. Uh -huh. um, yep, yep. And interestingly, there was some breaking news this morning. There was Slack CEO and co founder Stuart Butterfield is leaving Salesforce. Yep. Two years to the day after the purchase, which itself is interesting and we yep. will dissect. And it is combined with another interesting nugget, which is that he will be replaced not by a Slack team member or a Slack mm. executive, but by a Salesforce executive. So kind mm. of a couple things happening here. One, let's talk about why these founders who get acquired by big companies tend to leave. I mean, this and we did say obvious. this is Stuart Butterfield, right? Yeah, Stuart Butterfield. Stuart, Stuart Butterfield, excuse me. Like, the guy's a big deal. I mean, you know, he's like a renowned tech founder. It's a big story that he is leaving Salesforce. Two years to the day after the acquisition, which Very we can assume yeah. Yeah. means some vesting. That's exactly right. right. The, yeah, yes. the retention, the Usually, retention bonuses were paid. Retention today. bonuses. Um, sometimes, like a CEO type, they will give uh, yeah cash bonuses, stock bonuses to. Uh, this wouldn't be a vesting type situation because it was an acquisition, right? So it's not like right. Right. the early days of a company or you hired a new ceo this is the existing ceo who was probably what's called fully vested in other words they had earned all their shares over the first four years so although probably so, yeah, was sometimes retention bonuses are timed though right is that retention bonuses I, are timed yes so that's Typically, what i was thinking years, about yeah. vesting it's is, a, right, definitely okay. a retention bonus yeah mm -hmm. got it yeah. Yeah. yep anyway yeah super creative founder he is he's credited with the consumerization of SaaS by let's see jason <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, among other that. folks yeah sure yeah. yeah, we'll give it to you because, you know, that's what Nick said. And I trust everything Nick tells me. Um, but yeah, he is moving on. He's going to be replaced by Lydianne Jones, who's currently an executive VP and general manager in Salesforce's cloud segment. Mm. And we'll take over as CEO of Slack, which I think we can assume means that Slack is headed for some greater integration, shall we say? Possibly. Yeah, Maybe. I mean, you could... Sometimes the, if an internal person takes something over, they might not be as precious about integrations uh, or changes to the product, you know, the original philosophy of the project uh, and the product and the, the founding team 
is gone. So, mm -hmm. you know, if, for example, they had some sacred cows, you know, they always want it to be playful. They never want to uh, do annoying things. They never want to force products down your throat, whatever it mm -hmm. is that, you know, or we're about text, not video, whatever those sacred cows are. Yeah, they when a lot of times acquiring companies want to get rid of the founder. Um, you know, and that is the that becomes the delicate balance, you want the founder there for their creativity, for the spirit of the company for culture. But sometimes the founder can be a blocker, right? Um, mm -hmm. Because you want to do things like you're saying, integrate the product more deeply into other products. So what if all of a sudden slack every contact you mention, it creates a Salesforce record in their CRM system or something, right? Right. Or you have to log Which in with a Salesforce ID. Oh, uh, you know, right? Like totally. those kind of features would be annoying to some OG Slack users, and they might be delightful for some Salesforce users. But somebody like Stuart might be like, "No way, not on my watch." Well, his yeah. watch is over. Well, and it's—I mean, this is there. It's so nuanced. Whenever there's a big acquisition, and whenever you know a found a really founder-driven company gets acquired like that, because you have a bunch of things happen at once. One users worry about what will happen under the new mm -hmm. regime. We're seeing that with Figma right now, actually, after uh, Figma was acquired by Adobe for $20 billion. People yeah. freaked out saying, you know, Figma is going to get rolled into the Adobe suite. And it, you know, and and their, their CEO, Dylan Field, came out and said, oh, no, it'll remain independent. But then a couple of things always happen, right? Product velocity slows down, usually, mm -hmm. when a company is acquired by a bigger company, because there's just not the same level of urgency around keeping the product going and i think you could argue that we saw that with slack it sort of stagnated mm. for a long time and then like huddles were the big innovation which is great but i think we could agree there could still be other product features um that could have been developed if it were independent and then also eventually i mean we were trying to think of examples where founders have stayed past let's say the retention bonus period yeah and there aren't that many examples it depends on the company acquiring them. Most companies in the old days when they acquired them, try to get rid of the management team as quick as possible, take it over and, uh, you know, make it integrated into the larger stack, right? Because when you're acquiring these things, you have some concept of what you want to do. YouTube would be a great example. YouTube, the founders left uh, very quickly. Uh, I don't know the exact number of days, uh, but Google uh, quickly put somebody in charge of it. And they had a very specific goal in mind, put it on the infrastructure of Google, right, the search engine infrastructure and integrate the ad networks, both of those things were done right. incredibly quickly, like under a year or two. And then once they did, all of the scaling issues with YouTube went away, you didn't see a lot of change in the front end interface, because they spent all their time just trying to make it work in 150, 60, 70, 80 countries. Mm -hmm. And they really wanted you to, when you were logging into your AdSense account and buying search ads, be able to also see your campaigns on YouTube. And then maybe, you know, you could have a campaign to sell, you know, your Ember mug or your Athletic Greens, you know, on YouTube with a video and with search ads and be able to see the relative performance of both of those in one interface. So that happened very right. quickly. Which was genius, by the way, right? And YouTube is a little bit like Craigslist in the sense that its interface hasn't actually evolved that much at all. Like no. the, all the technology innovation is in the back end. It's in the ad serving. It's in the recommendations algorithm. It's in just Correct. keeping that sucker up, upright under the yeah. uh, the crushing weight of the millions of videos that are uploaded every minute. The paradox of interface changes is, you know, a better interface uh, that looks better is more modern. 
can actually reduce usage and consumption of the product because consumers are such creatures of habits. You know, mm -hmm. you change a remote control. Think about like how in your mind, you probably had some remote control your whole life. It could have been like for your cable company or direct TV. Like I knew the direct TV remote control since I had it for over 10 years yeah. without looking at it. Yeah. I could like put my finger over it. So that's the same kind of thing that happens with Craigslist. You know where, you know, your casual encounters, <laughs> where your couch surfing, whatever you're into, you know where that is. Uh, and, um, you know, the yeah. same thing for Amazon, right? Like I can get to the orders page on Amazon without even knowing how to get there. I know I'm clicking on my profile, then there's an orders tab. Like I just get to it very quickly. Right. It's terrible, but it's familiar. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. You just, yeah. you learn it and then you don't want to relearn something, so two things we always want to talk about on this show number one how to build the best product possible and number two how to find product market fit faster these things usually go hand in hand but relying on your gut is not good enough many vcs aren't willing to wait around for you to figure it out based on your instincts no investors are looking for founders that can use data-driven solutions to find product market fit more efficiently so you have to check out Mixpanel right now and they'll give you $50,000 in credits when you join their startup program. Mixpanel helps startups find product market fit faster by offering powerful self-serve product analytics. You can get insights in real time with the help of Mixpanel's pre-built templates. And this is critically important. Startups I've invested in, they've been trying to figure out what their customers are actually doing in the product. Well, if you don't have Mixpanel set up, you don't have cohort data, you don't have the features designed to see, hey, you know, maybe you spent 100 hours on a feature and 10% of your users actually use that feature. How do you know? Well, you have to have the right analytics stack. And that is Mixpanel. Apply today to claim your $50,000 in credits at mixpanel.com slash startups. Of course, they want to grow with you. That's why they're giving you 50 dimes. That's M-I-X-P-A-N-E-L.com slash startups. And that's startups with an S. Okay, plural. And then I will say another thing. So there's a lot of like interesting kind of founder and culture and product questions here. Mm -hmm. But also, mm. I mean, so Salesforce's co-CEO, Brett Taylor, just announced that he's leaving. Yep. To do a startup. I think that was the news. He just said to to go back to his entrepreneurial roots. There was no specific announcement of a startup at all. Entrepreneurial endeavors means investing in companies or finding a new C, becoming CEO of an, an existing company. So right. I would say at his I've level. I've heard some rumors about that, actually. Yeah, there's there's some company that needs adult supervision that's probably made him an offer. And it's like an offer that's too good to refuse. You know, they give yeah. them five or 10% of a company that's a rocket ship. Yeah, I'm not buying the entrepreneurial. I mean, that was like. That was like the business That's version of spending time with your family. I'm just saying it wasn't like he was going to start a startup. You know, it was like yeah, no, no, not left. a blank sheet of paper. No. And also it's the second co-CEO to leave Salesforce in three years. And I mean, mm. it is all it is totally possible that Butterfield is leaving because it's the two years to the day. That's the most likely scenario under Occam's yeah. Razor. But it also just makes me wonder because he also could have stayed. Right. Like it just makes me wonder if something's going on in Salesforce or if it's just one of those times where like things are changing. The economy's, uh, you know, it's like everything's been awesome. Th there could be an abrupt shift to not awesome internally happening, but it's two pretty big departures in yeah. a week. He was probably, I would say these are probably not related uh, because it's exactly two years for Stuart. Um, yeah. And then I, I'm guessing given the 
market conditions and Salesforce is constricting like any other SaaS product. You have been talking about this. Sachs has been talking about it. You know, SaaS, uh, everybody's tightening their belt. I um, just looked at our MailChimp bill as but one example. And I was like, wait a second, MailChimp is super expensive and we're not using our lists. And then I was like, oh, wait, review on Twitter and Substack are free. And then I yeah. looked at the size of some of our email lists. They were giant. And immediately I took them down this weekend. Um, and this, the MailChimp bill went from 2000 to 800. And I was yeah. like, okay, well, that's, you know, over $10,000 a year. So I'm going through every SaaS bill in every company. And our SaaS bills were probably uh, 2% of our revenue, like mm -hmm. 1% or 2%. It's not like we were spending 20% of our revenue on this. But if I right. can take 2% and make it 1%, why wouldn't I do that in a constricting market? Totally. And so the belt tightening is happening. Um, and so in a belt tightening environment, if it was the days of, uh, you know, milk and honey here, maybe they would have made Stuart some incredible offer to stay, or they would have some new project that they would want him to spearhead and they make him some unbelievable offer. But in a constricting environment, maybe those offers aren't available. And mm -hmm. same thing for the CEO, maybe the CEO uh the co-ceo who left just had some better offer and he was looking at salesforce and saying oh i'm gonna have to do potentially layoffs right i'm gonna have to deal with like this crazy war the company's gonna constrict it'd be it's more as, fun to I mean, be it's just legitimately not as fun yeah exactly yeah. he might be like i'm ready for a new thing and you know benioff might be like coming in like i need to get way more involved in this and that and, da -da 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 -da. Sure. and then also back to butterfield mm -hmm. that's exactly the time when you would imagine efficiencies start to be top yeah. of mind for a CEO. So it's very possible that Salesforce is now pressuring Slack even more to integrate with the core product to, you know, raise it's like prices to, and to eliminate duplications. Yeah. Raise prices, like all of the things that Do would make off? it not as fun for Butterfield to want to be there. Yeah. They, maybe, maybe they want to lay people off, you know, you never know. They could have said, cut the team in half. You I know, mean, that seems highly likely, right? If Slack has been operating really as a, as a separate division, and they're like, okay, wait a second. Just a, as a matter of pure mercenary efficiency, yeah, we can fold this thing into Salesforce's offerings, lay off most of the people who are working on it because you know there's duplication. Yep, that's exactly the point at which the founder is going to go. This is no longer my product. I'm out. The founder, rightfully so, would fight for every person on their team, yeah. with the exception of maybe the five percent of underperformers on any team. So, just super pragmatically, if you're the founder and you get acquired, and you're like, I have a thousand people. They'd be like, hey, you need to do a riff. And it's like, great, yeah, these 50 people, yeah, these are the low performers. I'm like, yeah, you got to do a little more. They'd be like, okay, and these 50 people, uh, yeah, we could, there might be a duplicative position. So here's my 10% riff. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we would like you to triple that, you know, get right. rid of 30%. And they'd be like, yeah, I, I can't. Whereas the new manager is like, oh, I can, you know, this uh, person who's coming in from Salesforce, they might you know, have no problem doing a riff. So again, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Don't get too comfy with Slack, everybody. <laughs> now you're going to be a Salesforce customer. I'm just I'm I'm fine being a Salesforce customer. Um, I love Slack. I think they've been a good steward of it, so to speak, so far. Um, and just a the same way, steward. Am I right? Thank you. Thank oh you. God, I've been a good steward of it so, uh, so far. It, this has become what Silicon Valley is very good at now. Amazon uh, bought Ring and um, Zappos. Rest in peace, uh, Tony Shea, one of the greats. And those two companies really kept their culture. Uh, and they kept their founders. Uh, in fact, it was Tony who stepped away from Zappos, not he wasn't like pushed out or whatever, but he stayed there for like a decade after they mm -hmm. sold it. Not, uh, you know, who's not good at this is would be Facebook. Facebook bounces the founders pretty quick, right? Yeah. Um, and the founders wind up hating Zuckerberg afterwards. So 
It's a little more hardcore about it. Systrom um, stayed around for quite a while. Yeah. But five then years, left years. angry. Like five or six years, I think. But then by the time he left, did not seem <laughs> like it, it was very about clear that Instagram had been starved compared it to was, the big blue. They, the, My understanding was they forced the stories down Systrom's throat. The, you know, he just told them, do it. Right. Uh, I don't yes. care about what other ideas you have. This is the number one priority. We are going to own stories. We're going to kill Snap. And, you mm -hmm. know, Sistrim is like a stand-up guy who probably had his own creative ideas of where to take Instagram. And that's where the founder can be a blocker. Because yeah. in that case, uh, I think stories became more popular on the Facebook collection of apps than it was on Snap. So that was an instance where Zuckerberg, um, you know, I don't want to say did the right thing, but he, he did the pragmatic thing that, you know, staved yeah. off snap snap was considered like TikTok at the time snap was going to kill it was uh, coming, Facebook. Yeah. yeah and he 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 neutralized that threat uh, he hasn't been able to neutralize the TikTok threat maybe too late for that yeah no he definitely did it was interesting though like sarah fryer's book about facebook talked a lot about how instagram other that it was like they were starved for resources because they didn't want to cannibalize newsfeed and facebook proper for years and years and years and then all of a sudden we're like do the stories thing which people mm. you know of course felt was not innovative but um, mm. so it was a it was a weird it was like a right and wrong kind of thing. It's just Self the kind horse. of thing that sucks for founders, right? Like if, if you're the founder and you love the product, I mean, it's just a different that's when you get acquired, you get a new boss. When you get billions of dollars, you don't get control of your asset anymore. You've exactly. given away. You sold the home. <laughs> exactly. It's not your house anymore. You not sold your house. Your house. You can drive by it, but you're no longer allowed to come inside. Uh, the end. Right. Like. <laughs> so it's like a good note for founders, which is like getting acquired is great. That's your exit. Yeah. But be aware of the hard realities. And then, yes, if you're a fan of Figma and you see it get acquired by Adobe, like don't assume that it's going to stay independent forever. Why would it? And, and or it will until they, there's a downturn. <laughs> and whatever they tell you in the acquiring company uh, is true until it's not. So yes. they could make you totally. all the promises you want, even in writing. But at the end of the day, it's an at will kind of thing. And your contract, even if it's a two year contract, four year contract, even if they tell you you're going to have control, they can just change their mind, right? Mm -hmm. And they can just fire you because it's an at will thing. And they just have to pay you off. It's whatever the price is to pay you off. But I drive by my old house in LA, I get very emotional. I think about my, you know, my first daughter, you know, and bring her home from the oh. hospital and playing basketball in the driveway. And it's my first house I ever owned. And I'm always like tempted to ring the bell and, you know, say hi. And I'm just like, yeah, I, I wouldn't want people doing that at my current house, you know, like, yeah. you just have to let it go, right? You have to let it go. You sell the company, it's not yours, you move on to the next adventure. But be very careful because, you know, you might really like that house, you want to keep it till you're gone. And so the, these are hard decisions for founders to make. Mm -hmm. even, even going public, you're making this to a certain degree, you're, you're, you know, beholden to shareholders, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it's going to change your relationships across the board. I am very curious to see what Stuart Butterfield does next, though. Really, really, really creative guy, like respected founder. I'm pretty sure if I were, I'm, I don't. Oh I yeah, remember, I mean, but Flickr I feel like was a big success. This was, was a big, big success. success. Yeah, like go and do something. Started as video Stuart, game. So come to climate. No, he's going to start a video game and then pivot to climate. So if, <laughs> if history is any, if history is any yeah. indicator, Stuart will be starting a video game company. Uh, he'll get it launched, like the all video games. You know, it's. It's a hit space business. You, you have to get really lucky to uh, have it, you know, resonate. Like it's like one in 20 video games or 30 or 40 kind of resonate. And so, yeah, 
maybe he'll do a video game and this time will become the breakout uh that he always wanted to have um in video oh. games he's like no it's it's he is has this like his the, thing he wants to do a video game company the last two times this? they did a, a video game it was like never ending oh, something game and yeah they were trying to do a game both times both times they got very low on money and then when game never ending was the first uh one i think uh no, that's the second it. one maybe anyway the both times they were trying to make games and slack was an internal tool that they were using for the game and then the first time that they were using to help program the game and, and you know do collaboration and then they just released it mm, on the world and flickr that's so funny i'm was totally missing yeah. Yeah. yeah flickr was like I, oh we can't share our photos here's a way to do it so that's a huge hole in my lore right there my my butterfield yeah. lore yeah if you want to build an app you want to build a startup you want to build a website a service a marketplace any of these things well you're going to need to have a really good plan and if you don't have a good plan well your idea is probably going to fail well i've got a solution for you crowdbotics gives you access to the best practices for your specific app what this means is crowdbotics has all the pre-built app templates ready to build your startup faster you're not starting from scratch your developers would have to start from zero these developers at crowdbotics and their team they've got that technology ready to go and so the architecture is going to come together very quickly. You can think of Crowdbotics as a CTO as a service, right? A chief technology officer who you can just drop in and boom, they are going to build your app for you quick and they're gonna spec it out perfectly. So if you're not sure where to start, Crowdbotics also offers professional scoping. Now this is gonna help you flesh out your project. They're gonna ask you the important questions. They're gonna help you flesh out the features maybe you haven't thought of, right? I want you to talk to the folks at Crowdbotics and let them show you how good they are at what they do. They will schedule a free scoping session with you and get you a detailed build plan at crowdbotics.com slash twist. That's crowdbotics.com slash twist. Try Crowdbotics and see what they can do for you in their scoping session. You got nothing to lose. So in other news, the speculative asset bubble continues <laughs> to claim victims. Obviously, SPACs have been, you know, hundreds of SPACs are orphaned out there and will probably yeah. be wound down. We've seen that happen already. And then obviously crypto, huge speculative asset bubble. And uh, this next story, the company fits in both, correct? This is like a, this is a double bubble. This double is a double bubble. bubble story. Yep, sure. Uh, Circle, creators of the USDC stablecoin, has canceled its SPAC with Concord Acquisition Group and said that it did not complete SEC qualification in hmm. time. Circle okay. announced its SPAC merger back in July 2021, which was 16 months ago. So it's already taken a minute. Hmm. Uh, obviously, that was was peak bubble, if not you know very, very close to it. And uh, now they have just called off the whole thing kind of at a moment when both like as you just said double bubble right double bubble mm -hmm. pop yeah double i mean there's no trouble. market yeah it, there's no market for spacs right now right the public yeah. um a lot of the spac action was speculative new market entrants what they call retail uh so think Robinhood traders who weren't trading stocks previously crypto traders so this would have been a darling in 2021 uh or even 2020 2020 because you had crypto, <clears throat> plus you had, uh, you know, a really great existing founder, this would have been an amazing, amazing uh, offering. Because Jeremy Allaire is quite respected, uh, having mm -hmm. done Cold Fusion and other companies that have done pretty well. So, but he's been trying to do we had him on the pod uh, back on episode 1307. 
he was doing the regulated crypto exchange. Remember, they have that stable coin that's like Tether, or I guess FTT was I, I don't think FTT was a stable coin exactly. But no, it wasn't. But when I had interviewed Sam Bankman Fried in that private setting, I'd mm -hmm. asked him if he considered a stable coin. And he said, actually, that's something he was talking about. So mm. USDC as a circle. Pegged. Yeah, that's, that's dollar pegged to stable coin. Mm -hmm. One coin always equals $1, no matter what happens. They actually built up and were the first company to do like audits on the stuff and have, uh, you know, some big accounting firm confirm you do have the money and they didn't have it like mm -hmm. in what's called Chinese paper. Remember that whole tether issue tether, if you remember, had commercial paper, those are business loans in China, and they didn't deny that, but they would never detail it. Uh, mm -hmm. So USDC was designed Molly, if you remember, to be like the antithesis of that we're going to do it in the United States, we're going to do it regulated, we're going to audit it and, and tether, uh, in fairness to them has quickly tried to catch up. I, I don't buy their audits, because I don't think they're actually audits. I think they're like an attestation still. But I still think something's funky over Tether uh, and yeah. Circle. I think it's pretty buttoned up. It is buttoned up. And Nick made the point, uh, producer Nick, that this <laughs> question of like, we don't know what the issue was around SEC com compliance. We don't know what it was that they didn't get done. SEC qualification. We don't know if that mm -hmm. was related to crypto regulations, mm -hmm. exchange regulations, or, you know, SPAC regulations. Like right. we know that there has been increased scrutiny around both of those things. And so it's not clear and the SEC hasn't confirmed anything and the circle didn't offer any details other than saying did not complete SEC qualification. So it's unclear what was the blocker. But there is a question if the blockers were related to trying to be the up and up crypto company. Mm -hmm. It's almost like um, it's almost like legal marijuana. I know mm -hmm. this is going to feel like a stretch, but like I know some people who have a big cannabis farm. Had mm -hmm. it for a long time since the before times and have tried to have have converted it to legal yeah. business and the cost mm. and complexity associated with that is in the like millions of dollars a year. So mm. much so that they're selling it. Right. And you you almost wonder if that's this messy middle where there's a lot more regulation around crypto is going to create a situation like that where it's frankly just faster and easier to operate like SBF. Go to the mm. Bahamas, do whatever the hell you want break all the rules, pick up the pieces after. Yeah, it is correct that there is a messy process going on. And certainly what's happened with Luna, FTX and every other crypto uh, implosion probably, probably uh, had something to do with this because the SEC, uh, Jeremy Allaire tweeted, from my perspective, I believe the SEC has been rigorous and thorough in understanding our business and many novel aspects of this industry, referring to crypto, obviously. This kind of review is necessary to ultimately provide trust, transparency, and accountability for major companies in crypto. So I think he's tipping his cards there in the second tweet in his tweet storm. And I think it's that the SEC is probably like, holy cow, we don't want this to blow up in our laps. That's what mm -hmm. I read it. And they're mm -hmm. saying, you know what? Let's take an extra six months to make sure all of these ducks are in a row. Not your fault, not our fault. We just need to get this right. Uh, and this is what's happened, you know, uh, in crypto, Molly, I think. Because the stakes became so high and because of all of the absolute uh, corruption, fraud, incompetence and, and combinations of those things. Now, the industry's like, you know what? We have no choice but to take 
legal actions against the you know folks in this industry and we're going to have to set regulations really tightly and clearly yeah they should have done the regulations earlier i think the sec is to blame for some of this and not giving clear enough regulations they should have just said all the existing rules apply you're breaking them <laughs> they could have yeah. done that five six years ago yeah they didn't they wanted to have their cake and eat it too which is they didn't want to have to explicitly say you're breaking the law and now it's clear that people were breaking the law mm-hmm. and so now they have to go take action that, that's kind of how america works we're, we want people to be innovative we want them to be creative but there's no process of certifying hey like you're in compliance here if you're doing something completely novel and so it's up to you to work with attorneys to make sure you're not committing fraud right and you're you know obeying the regulations well people could be obeying the regulations and committing fraud they could be not doing the regulations and not doing fraud there could be any combination of those that four by four quadrant right are they complying with regulations yes or no and are they committing fraud or being shady yes or no right and i think you had many people offshore not complying and being shady oh, you probably absolutely. had some people and who were not shady result, and complying right and it's it's very likely again we don't know it's very likely yeah. that circle is compliant and not shady and yeah. now is caught in the backwash correct of all of the other behavior which i think we can expect to probably be the case right it's like the yeah. bad apples ruin it for everybody else that will be the case for a little while going forward and it's going to be tough going it does make me wonder though what took 16 months because back in july 2021 there wasn't like so much scrutiny on SPACs and um and on crypto so like what took them 16 months in the first place maybe the yeah. sec really has been that disorganized that they were actually really trying to make sure that they were doing this in a super buttoned up way and there just wasn't enough like there weren't enough guidelines to follow they were having to make it up all along mm-hmm. but i do wonder what happened in the intervening time there i think the spac market wa- and how spacs were constructed mm-hmm. could have been buttoned up a little bit more i guess in terms of the presentations of the assets being bought and i think the sec has tightened that up a little bit um we still want people to be able to do spacs i think we want different ways for companies to go public so you don't want to get rid of that innovation but since people did get hurt you know the sec tends to react by tightening things up in you know a a show of good faith to the public hey you know we're going to try to avoid this problem in the future but now you think about any venture firm investing in crypto Mm -hmm. they're going to be putting governance in place they're no longer going to subject themselves to what happened with ftx and so you saw you know venture firms now explaining themselves explaining their diligence process talking about how they're going to change it in the future a number of VC firms are completely silent on their investments, which is weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not going to mention specific names here. I don't want to like paint with too wide of a brush here, but you can be certain that the next FTX or Circle, you know, bad actors, good actors. I would say Jeremy's a great actor. Uh, I've known him for a long time, for 20 years. I, I, there's absolutely no chance I think he would ever do anything that is like on the level of ftx at all i don't i mean he's so buttoned up i don't think he would even bend the rules right he, he's gone if above anything, and beyond yeah if anything he's gone so far above and beyond that it's now you know yeah. torpedoed the ipo potentially for now for now yeah delayed it i would say and delayed. they probably he could have done all this offshore and already you know flipped his bag <laughs> he could have found bag holders and so yeah. we want to reward the people doing it right 
not penalize them, which I think is goes to your earlier point, the people trying to do it right are going to get penalized, the person who's growing cannabis illegally, and not going through the process is going to have a higher profit margin. And if there's no enforcement, oh my god, this sends the wrong message to the market, which is, hey, we're not enforcing anything. So go ahead and go crazy and flip your bag. Or hey, we are enforcing. Uh, if you do go through the enforcement process, we're mm -hmm. going to delay your IPO. Right, exactly. The enforcement process, what happens in the sort of messy middle, yeah. where we are now is that the enforcement process itself becomes mm -hmm. punitive. Yes, because there's been so much profit and harm before. And then you have this real question. And this is I think what is the big chilling, we're going to have a cryptocurrency roundtable later this week, actually, and we should yeah, talk about this. Because I do think that this raises the question of how much of a chilling effect it is. Like if the enforcement, there's a lack of trust, there's a lack of investment, and the enforcement itself is so punitive that it can cause you to have to sell your cannabis farm, then what is the incentive to be in this space hmm. right now? And the SPAC changes, just so people understand them, and the SEC has been proposing these, is maybe uh, additional disclosures from the SPAC sponsors and any conflicts of interest, and then really understanding the projections made by the SPACs and their target companies, because these are private companies, they can kind of, uh, if you're acquiring a private company, whatever projections they have are not the same as like a company that's going through the IPO process, right? You're basically mm -hmm. saying, I'm going to trust the sponsor to find a great target to buy it. I'm going to trust that the private companies, you know, projections or whatever are fair and balanced and, you know, represent reality. And I'm going to be involved in a very adult way. <laughs> like, this is a very like sophisticated investors way. Hey, I'm giving some sponsor money to go buy an asset. I have to trust that the sponsor is going to buy a good asset, right? You, you don't even know what asset they're going to buy. You're mm -hmm. giving them money to buy an asset that is not yet disclosed. Anybody participating in something like that has to have a really large amount of trust in the sponsor and say, yep. okay, I know the sponsor's in it for the long term. So I think the amount of time they hold their securities would be like the big fix for me. If the sponsors had to hold their securities for five years, three years, something like that, they could do that voluntarily. They wouldn't need an SEC regulation to do that. And boy, that would that give the people buying the SPAC a lot more uh, comfort. Oh, I can sell my shares six months after it goes public. The sponsors have to hold for four years. So I have three and a half year window to liquidate my position before the sponsors. Now, most sponsors would like to have the flexibility to, you know, sell their shares, especially if things go well. So that's why the SEC probably has to step in. If you don't yep. regulate yourself, you will be regulated. You'll be regulated. The Whether blocker the officially, I should clarify, was the SEC's S4 form, mm. which covers, quote, information regarding the terms of the transaction, risk factors, ratios, pro forma, financial information, and material contracts with the company being acquired. That registration statement was not declared effective yet. So mm. this back was canceled. Still pretty broad. So pretty broad. Yeah, that's super broad. It's like anything. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So it could be anything. anything. Again, could be crypto, could be SPAC. Totally unclear. Okay, you know I've been on a health kick over the past year or so, and you know I care about optimization and data-driven solutions. So if you listen to this podcast, I bet you do too, right? And so let me tell you about Fitbot. It is a data-driven workout app, and it blends machine learning with exercise science. So they will create for you, I kid you not, a custom dynamic program based on not only your fitness goals, but also your experience and what's the available equipment. You put in what you have available to you and then it creates a custom workout for you. Again, using machine learning 
and exercise science. It's going to amaze you. And, you know, it's going to vary the intensity and the volume between sessions. You can customize the length of your workout, what muscles you want to target, and so much more. So check out this demo. Let's say I want to get a 30-minute workout in. I want to hit my chest, triceps, and abs. But I'm staying at an Airbnb with no equipment. FitBot creates a perfectly optimized workout for you based on these parameters, right? Very simple. FitBot takes the guesswork out of fitness. Just open the app and start making progress. You're going to get 25% off your FitBot subscription. Or you can try the app out for free when you sign up now at fitbod.me slash twist. F-I-T-B-O-D dot me slash twist for 25% off one of the great companies in my portfolio some of the greatest founders I've ever worked with go check out fitbod.me slash twist for 25% off I saw a tweet go by you know it's really interesting this Sam Bankman fraud uh, case because there still seems to be a group of people who are giving him the tremendous benefit of the doubt I and like cannot wait to talk about this because this is not how I read this tweet at all so let's go okay Great. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I when I see these Sam Bankman freed the apology tour and or people going to bat for him, I just replace mm -hmm. him with Elizabeth Holmes and I Theranos mean. or Bernie Madoff and whatever Madoff's Madoff's company was called. It was Madoff something. Anyway, I just look at that and I just swap out the words and I'm wondering, you know, how history will look at it. And we don't yeah. have complete information here, but boy, does it look really bad. So anyway, let's see up this story and we'll see where this one falls so on i'm not sure on december 2nd which was what uh friday yep um maxine waters tweeted jointly with the mm. u.s house committee on financial services quote at sbf ftx we appreciate that you've been candid in your discussions about what happened at ftx your willingness to talk to the public will help the company's customers investors and others to that end we would welcome your participation in our hearing on the 13th okay so the kind interpretation of this is she's setting a she's politely setting up an opportunity for him to explain himself knowing that if we if you believe he is involved in fraud this is a polite way of luring him in yeah before you subpoena him okay like everybody's invited yeah. To right, like if you look at the January 6th committee or any like committee, everyone mm. is invited sure. to participate mm. until they are no longer invited. So it's better uh, if you come in because if you if you have to subpoena someone, it's like a fight, you know, they might yeah, get a sure. lawyer, like they might de it delays the process. The best possible scenario is mm -hmm. that you be really nice to and flatter this strange young man who seems to want to incriminate himself constantly in public. <laughs> And you extend him a nice invitation to come and do that before your House Financial Services Committee. Like, frankly, that is exactly mm. how I would approach this, which is like, please come and chat with you. You're doing great. Come and talk to us. Okay, I, I can and appreciate the that. bejesus out of yourself. I can appreciate that. I, you know why? Like, I this think... is a canny lady. Like, I was just like, what is wrong with everybody taking this so literally? Like, she's being nice to him. Okay, yeah, I, I think if she's spinning uh, a trap and this is a web. The one piece of evidence I have that this could be correct is that she used the joint tweet feature, which nobody has used in a long time. Exactly. Like, Maxine herself does not know how to do out, this. Somebody on her staff figured out how to jointly tweet with the House Committee on Financial Services makes this a little sus in my mind. Like, yeah, maybe yeah. it is a trap. This is a but trap. Here's the problem. So many 
Democrats and politicians, uh, Republicans and as Republicans. Well. Exactly. Well, I don't know. Yeah, it, I'm it, so it, over this like narrative. But yes, go, 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 go. Well, no, I don't know. It, there's, it's unclear what the actual donations have been because this guy is such a lying, deceiving, manipulative Shvengali. Yeah, it's completely possible that he dollar for dollared you know, Republicans and Democrats, or he was a little more to the left. We'll find Which out. Which we should say he said he did. Now he, he is he a liar. We know that. Well, actually, yeah. we don't know that. <laughs> I think we're we assuming know his, that he's yeah. lying in many ways. We don't yeah. know all the things he's lying about. Yes. But he said, like, right. this isn't just like we're kind of guessing. He said he gave as much money to Republicans as he did to uh democrats but that he was louder about it with the democrats because it would right. be favorable to him and get him favorable coverage it, that is cynical we and don't that is have true. these exact the numbers we have i guess from reporting still show more to the left so anyway we'll, we'll take because it was like dark money right he claims yeah, he did so this these, could like, be dark, dark money. money he did if he did do that he did it covertly which is even weirder because then i guess he was trying to make democrats think he was on their side while winking to the Republicans and secretly backing them. Yeah. And I mean, letting them he know he was, was also he on their side. All reporters are liberal and therefore they would freak out over contributions to the Republicans and he didn't want to have the fight. Ah, got Who it. Knows? Okay. Who he, knows? He, uh, he, Those he. are, this is again, the words of Sam Bankman. I mean, I just, he's, I would, I just would say like, let, I'm going to let this one play out and say, I mean, don't get me wrong. Sure. He's getting a freaking pass. I think there's all kinds of sexism involved in here. I think he's probably right. He was on if that if he actually did dark money donate to Republicans and then be really loud about the Democrats, he played that perfectly. Of course, the media was going to end up in his pocket over that one. Like, brilliant. Bravo, sir. Like, bravo. Yeah. And, and but I do not think that this tweet is I think this interpretation was so just like there's this assumption that everybody is dumber than you are on Twitter. Yeah. Right. Like Maxine Waters, her staff, the members of the House Financial Services Committee. And all of the lawyers who surround them are not, not idiots. idiots. They're not idiots. No. Like, come so, on, Twitter. Well, let's play the replace game. We'll do a little Mad Libs here. Okay. Elizabeth Holmes, we appreciate mm -hmm. you've been candid in your discussions about what happened at Theranos. Your willingness to talk to the public will help companies, customers, investors, and others. To that end, we welcome you to participate in our hearing on the 13th. Mm -hmm. Bernie Madoff, we would appreciate... Uh, we appreciate that you've been candid in your discussions about what happened at Madoff Associates, whatever it was called. Your willingness to talk publicly... I mean... If it's a trap, then it's That's how it always yeah. starts. Yeah. And Elizabeth Maybe. Holmes wouldn't talk to anybody. I mean, if you have not. a guy, it's like you work with the witness you have. If you have a guy who literally is out here just like that, 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 yeah. that, then you be very nice to that guy and he will come and tell you whatever you need. The end. I'm, yeah. And so That's to that I mean. extent, somebody wrote, Lord Vader, we appreciate you've been candid about your discussions <laughs> about what happened at the Death Star. Your willingness to vote. I mean, <laughs> It's it's kind I of mean, it could funny. Be. That was yeah. hilarious. That was hilarious. That's pretty good one. That was hilarious. It could be. Listen, it could be. But I also was just like, maybe consider the possibility that like some of the some of the replies pointed out obviously that SPF and his co-founders at FTX gave three hundred thousand to nine members of the House Financial Services Committee, which means they're going to be harder on him. Actually, I think. I think so. And I think that these tend to be, if they if they're direct discussion, if they're direct, um donations that tend to be mm -hmm. on the smaller side it's those those um packs that tend to be the big ones right and uh yeah so the and the access he had to the white house and to politicians if mm -hmm. you're donating money you get pictures and so of course there's a picture of him 
with Maxine Waters smiling, and that one's been circulating on the yeah. internet. Um, but just so you know, it's about twenty-five grand to get a picture with the president of the United States. To get a picture with Maxine Waters is probably five grand. Like, yeah, just you give any donation, you go to any dinner, you get a picture. So when you see those pictures, just understand like they're they're available for purchase at the gift shop. Uh, and and if you really want are. to go to the White House, go into the White House. If you were like some people in our industry were bundlers, they call them. And mm -hmm. so people kept trying mm -hmm. to bundle me. So if I gave 25K and you got nine other people to do that, Molly, and you gave 25K and you gave $275,000 to Trump or Obama or Biden or whoever, whatever presidential candidate, you too would be invited to the inauguration and or and going to the White House and taking a photo in the Oval Office or in the gar Rose Garden or whatever. So yeah, just totally. so you, everybody understands exactly how cynical and corrupt our our that it, exactly two, that is the larger point. Like yeah. shocker, yeah, you can politicians can be bought. What what like exactly. the clutching of the pearls over this? Like it's the first time it's ever happened. Is hilarious. First of if all, if you and would second, like them to come to your house, and you know, I've had yeah. many people ask me to host stuff at my house, uh, and. If you'd like to have them in your house, you the deal is you pay for everything. So if you have a hundred people over your house and you spend three hundred dollars a person, you spend thirty grand on having a really fancy dinner party at your house, mm -hmm. and you agree to raise a minimum of if it's a presidential candidate two fifty five hundred k a million probably a million if to have it at your house, and if it's a senator, congress person, whatever, you know, local politician, maybe it's a hundred to two hundred fifty k, which is pretty easy to do if you have a hundred people and they each donate twenty five hundred, and I get offered all the time to host yeah. those things i never have hosted them i've considered it and i'm like you know what i just don't care. i would rather give my money to my daughters and yeah. their trust funds or to start <laughs> business or invest it in companies that's just more or gamble or buy new skis like i have other right. things i'd like to put my money towards maybe someday you'll me. fall in love with that like perfect politician but yeah not for you but see that's that like yet. but that's a really important behind the scenes about how influence works and clearly yeah. sbf understood surprisingly to a surprising degree how influence works and yeah. he used it to his advantage. And that is 100% true. When it comes to this tweet specifically, I was like, y'all are not seeing this. There's another yeah. way to look at this. And it could be wrong. But I will wait for history to be our guide on that one. Yeah, I, I'm really interested to see the media stuff. I've been talking to some people in the media. I won't say who. Mm -hmm. But like, uh, what's that new publication? A semaphore? Is that a semaphore? Yeah. A semaphore raised 25 million bucks. That's a large amount of money to raise for a media property and it's yep. because the you know and they the didn't media. even have a plan i mean there were like a million articles where they would ask these two guys like what's your plan so what's the plan and they'd just but, be like but these are you know ben, the former media person yeah, from ben smith and aren't they both yeah. named smith justin smith the bloomberg guy but, i mean ben smith you know had a pretty high profile position at the new york times covering media uh mm -hmm. which was previously david cars i guess and uh, rest in peace and then before that he was at buzzfeed it was the editor-in-chief or something or yeah um so ben is a pretty big they deal. Like nobody's, but they also. But that's a big. That's a bigger a number. That of yeah. money in a really hard space without much of a plan. You would normally see five million dollars. You yes. might see ten. You'd never see twenty-five. So they haven't been clear about how much money SBF put in. I have yeah. told them publicly, this is a big mistake that you have not said how much he invested. No matter how hard your coverage is, if you don't disclose the number that he invested, and they tried to say like, oh, he wasn't an investor. In the company he owns no shares in the company it's like because he signed a convertible note or a right. safe like it's literally in the name future equity like this is a device 
designed to get future equity. It is not a loan. It's only a loan, as we've explained countless times, and every VC can tell you, because it just makes the transaction go quicker and is less legal bills. That's why we constructed this in Silicon Valley. It is a loan only as a mechanism in order to save time and money and uh, getting money into a startup. I'm going to guess the reason they haven't said anything is because it's not a 250k or a 50k angel investment. If it was a $25 million round, if that's in fact true, I just saw that on Crutchbase. Um, yeah. If it was 25 million, and that's a fact, I'm going to guess the way Sam Bankman was throwing money, it's a seven figure investment. In other words, it might be 5 million. If it's 5 million, giving it back is painful. Mm -hmm. They may not have the wherewithal to give it back. Uh, and they're certainly not going to be able to swap that 5 million out with some other rich crypto kid <laughs> uh, right. or another investor, in which case, if they've already spent 10 of their 25 million or seven of their 25 million, and they have 20 left or 15 left, it could be a third of their cash reserves or something like that. Or who knows, did he put 10 million of the 25 million in? Maybe he went for it because he gave 5 million, I think, to ProPublica. So I think 5 million yep. was a slug size. So if it was a $5 million slug size, you know, like the bet size that people use typically is called slug. Maybe he put 5 million into like five publications oh my God. and just had 25 million. That's a lot. That's a lot of influence. That is a disproportionate amount of influence. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where Ben is making a huge mistake. This is like why, if you want to understand why people don't trust politicians or the media or anybody who is involved in conflicts of interest, this is a massive conflict and no amount of hard reporting or disclosures will overcome it. You just have to give the money back. Every politician has to give the money back. Right. Every, Unless you had disclosed on literally every single article. Even that still. That happened and how much and then even still people are not going to buy it. Because you don't see the articles that were killed, right? Like, right. <laughs> you know, like. Right. What, exactly. What, you have to prove the negative. Out. Yeah. Yeah. It's it just everybody has to give the money back. And especially because the money in all likelihood is stolen. Mm -hmm. This is not his salary. He didn't make some salary and give this money. The, the money he bought homes with or donated with um that money is stolen money if you are if you are in receipt of stolen money you must give it back yeah. so for semaphore uh, you know uh semaphore is yeah i think mm -hmm. the name of it is there an r at the end semaphore yeah if semaphore, semaphore or maxine waters or politico or pick the person he tried to run the scam on has this money even if they've spent it i think mm -hmm. they're required to give it back uh even if, if it's you like spent proven it. to be stolen, I mean, this is still if it's alleged. proven to be stolen. This is all still alleged. Yes, which means you should if come I out had now. It to give back, I would go ahead and give it back before. Yeah, if you if you spent it, you could say, "Listen, <laughs> they gave us a donation. We gave it to save the whales, <laughs> and we saved a whale. We don't have right. the money to give back, so <laughs> we Here's can't give it back. If we did have it, we would give it back. If we are forced to give it back, we will run a fundraiser and we'll try to." make people whole please give us five years to raise money to save the wells and then give 20 percent of our you know money to to make those people whole that's yeah. the proper way to address this that's what these you know politicals should be doing they should be saying hey listen we did spend that on journalism we don't have the money here we don't want to have to fire our staff so we will go on a payment plan with the government for 10 years to make the people this was stolen from whole just like if you if you buy a stolen car, but you can't do that preemptively, nobody's been convicted here. No, but so if like, you do want to care about your reputation, you should just make a statement. I'm just saying, make the statement that says if if it's proven, but it wasn't so like yeah, ill gotten. Mm -hmm. If it was ill gotten, 
if, the, yeah. if these are so the, what I would just say is if these are in fact consumer deposits, right, right. We are a hundred percent committed to giving them back. We have five million dollars. If it turns out it's Sam Bankman Fried's money, we're not giving it back. Um, and if people sue him, you know, uh, and they they wind up owning the shares in the company, they mm -hmm. will own the shares in the company if they successfully have a judgment against them, and we'll work with the bankruptcy judge there. If that five million dollars was stolen from consumers' accounts, we're committed to making sure we give it back. Just let us know where to send it, government. <laughs> when right. you have it that's the way to say it but you have to put the number on it and every politician should just take that money and in, put it in escrow like just like if you if somebody gave you a sold you a stolen bicycle like you you give the bike back it seems like they did something along this lines justin smith he did put out a statement he, he did said, put out a statement saying the asset will revert to its proper owner which will not yes. be sbf but if he returns money to sbf now it may never find Yes, it's rightful owner. Yeah, so they did make a statement. They just never. They they're, they're refusing to say how much money they have, <laughs> right? Which is yeah. like makes That's this where, really like, fishy. Don't, don't nickel and dime this, if you will, as a as a metaphor. Like just yeah. own it all up front because it's going to come 100%. out. Yeah, yeah. That's the mistake. That's the mistake here. You want to own it completely. Yeah, and I yeah. think it's probably because the number is so large. It's embarrassing how much money you're they probably have. right. You're probably right. I could. I mean, I could be wrong. Could be two fifty, but. If it's slug side, if you get five million to Politico, if maybe it was, he'd, you'd say so, right? Yeah, that's some pretty good if logic. If it was two fifty, yeah. you would say so. I think if you're breaking down the hand, you would say because they did try to, you know, um, contain this by saying he doesn't even own equity yet; it's just on a safe. So they already are trying to spin this. Yeah. So if the spinning is is going in one direction, but it doesn't include the number, it's because the number's high. I think would be if you're breaking down the hand of poker. And you're trying to figure out what the person has. Mm -hmm. Person has five million bucks, is my guess. If I had, if you had to pick five million or two fifty, I'd pick five million. I might even pick ten because. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Let's do our startup of the day. This one has let's got some it. friends of mine in it. It does. Who are they? This is a Loft Dynamics raising mm -hmm. twenty million dollars to tackle the helicopter pilot shortage ah. with VR training. Trying to make tra training ninety five percent cheaper, as I understand it, much more accessible to mm. people uh, for commonly flown helicopters who are who are the guys well i see uh my friend sky dayton uh who's a close friend of mine and he oh, is yes. a serial entrepreneur from the earthlink days if you remember earthlink or if you've mm -hmm. ever used boingo wi-fi he created those two companies and craft ventures is obviously david Sachs. a uh, little uh, there we fact, go yes sky dayton is in fact a pilot himself and a good friend of mine and uh when he first was getting his pilot's license 20 years ago i went with him on like one of his first discovery flights in a cirrus uh we flew into vegas and a little bit of turbulence, but uh, uh, yeah, because uh, Vegas is terrifying. Don't you know, those little serious planes with the uh, parachute in them, like the, the turbo props. Um, it was quite wow. fun, uh, and uh, he's he's got a passion for that. So I'm I'm sure he came upon this in his uh, pursuit of being a pilot. It's a very cool idea here because remember we've said every time we talk about Meta, we're like the consumer stuff here seems mm, not so much not so great, yeah. but the boy does the ar or vr for education seem like a slam dunk because anybody in the world can put on a headset and start learning uh, yeah. or in this case i think it's a little bit more than just a headset it's a headset it's a plus whole a little device it's a simulator yeah we can i think we can pull it up right have we already yeah, yeah there it is you actually sit inside you know it's funny last summer no mm -hmm. summer before last when i was still journalisming i visited a gold mine 
and they train um, drivers to drive the huge haulers. Like it's yes. like a truck the size of a building in these VR rigs that's a simulator and you sit in there. I can yeah. only, I manage like 25 seconds and then I was like, I'm going to barf. Yeah. Um, that's not true. I manage like a minute. <laughs> yeah. But these are increasingly popular. I mean, this is the use case for VR. And if it can cut off that much time and expense for a thing that is a legitimate, you know, I mean, helicopters are like used in life-saving and yeah. hospitals. I mean, this is a really, really good use case. Well, and think about what came before this. These simulators before this cost five to $15 million. That simulator's got to cost, you know, like a couple of hundred grand. So if you look, this is the size of the previous versions. And as you can see, they are on, um, you know, uh, stilts and stuff like that. They move around. They, you know, they can give you the full simulations. And then here's a quick 30-second video, I guess, of what it looks like inside when you were in the VR headsets. You can see it looks like maybe multiple screen. Oh, I see. Okay. you. So you are seeing the view of yourself as the pilot. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. This will make uh, me barf. Just yeah. barf. But it's awesome. I mean, it's literally like it's just simulating the inside of a helicopter cockpit. Yeah, you have the, you have the you whole helicopter cockpit there. Mm-hmm. That's probably cost 100, 200 grand. But instead of having all the monitors around you, which is what those simulators do, they kind of project it onto a giant screen. Yeah. You just put the headset on and you get the view. Um, and what's great about these is you can simulate, obviously, really dire situations that you would not want to simulate in an actual helicopter. So when you totally. do your training in these things, they do turn off the engines, they, they have you restart them, they do a bunch of high risk stuff but they can't do the most risky stuff and so yeah. you can practice crash landings on this thing that you would not be able to practice otherwise so super cool concept um mm -hmm. and this is a hardware enabled SaaS, i'm sure so hardware as a service as we've talked about you know you take the cost of the hardware and you can spread that out over time charge people uh you can even charge people per license to use this so if you you charge per hour, mm -hmm. um, but you could put this thing. It's so small. You need a certain, yeah. This could you could put the simulator up in Alaska. You could put it, you know, in um, you know a country in South America. You could put it in a you know in India, places where maybe you would have to have the pilots travel to a major city in another country to get access to the fifteen million dollar simulator. Here, if it is ninety five, you could have twenty simulators for the cost of one. That means you could have the simulators everywhere and it's a much smaller simulator that doesn't look like it needs a massive amount of construction so the simplicity of being able to put this you know in every country you know in every military it's just could be world changing right and i'm mm -hmm. sure you could actually do the simulator at home so if you if you if you didn't have eventually this simulator will become a home simulator i don't know if you've seen the people who are doing these um have you seen the flight simulators at home molly Oh, like yeah. Some people build them. And then some people pick pill truck simulators at home. I mean, flight like simulators, I think we even talked about it on the show. Like flight simulator, wasn't that the number one game last year? The Microsoft flight simulator? Like people love this stuff. They spend tons of money on it. It's, a, people it's like build, a fascinating world. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, just but for one thing we could pull up here. I just typed in flight simulator at home. And this is the first thing that came up on Google Shopping. But look at this TR120 flight simulator, 900 bucks, basically, and you get like a full cockpit. Molly, here you can see for a 1000 bucks. That looks not much different than you know, uh, the one we were just looking at. So these things mm -hmm. are available. Oh, yeah, increasingly. And this is all part of the like, not degradation. This is all part of the increasing accessibility and decentralization so cool. of expertise. Yes, 
The like distribution it goes right along with chat GPT. All expertise is going mm-hmm. to become available. We're basically like on a treadmill toward becoming Neo in the matrix. Like we just, if you think about all the things you can learn on YouTube, yep. like teach yourself. If you think about the things that you're going to be able to buy a simulator for or ask chat GPT for, like we're just jacking in and learning skills. You might even say the commodification of expertise uh, yes. um, might be a way to say it as we try to, as we try to, uh, spin that correctly and positively i think yeah commodification i don't see what's wrong with neo and the matrix that's sick if Neuralink works uh which it seems to be pretty close to working yes right like that is the type of thing where yes that's the ultimate neo in the matrix that's when we're actually there yeah the modification of expertise is coming yes uh, it's kind of here actually i think it's yeah. here it's here i mean it really is like there's almost nothing that you cannot learn on youtube at this point i'm like Mm-mm, youtube well i mean if you took gpt3 or you know other ai engines and you took this simulator and you connected them and you said to the simulator here watch humans fly helicopters in the simulator and then if you went to the all the helicopters and you would put a little took the flight data recorder and you just you know put some cameras as well on the outside you could take every helicopter flight record every helicopter flight you know every day put it into a neural net and say rate the helicopter pilot in terms of safety and in real time mm-hmm. we could be saying these pilots are unsafe these pilots are extremely safe and these pilots are somewhere in the middle you mm-hmm. could literally be uh doing that i know in the tesla they have the safety score now and the safety score is not very prominent but it was how you got into full self-driving beta the safety score made me a much better driver because it was telling me like i was making my turns too tight or something so my turning was too aggressive and then i realized mm-hmm. oh that's my wife <laughs> Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't yes, think my turn. Totally. And then I looked at it by day and it literally told me by day. And I'm like, hey, Mario Andretti, <laughs> can we maybe on the turns? Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe mm-hmm. dial it in a little bit. And I have been I have been trying to make my score um higher. And I I stopped uh I, I increased the distance between me and other cars uh deliberately. And so I think these AIs should be telling you as you're driving. Hey, uh, you seem a little bit tired. You're weaving in and out of the lanes or your lane accuracy is 62%. Are you tired? Hey, you're following a little close to the cars in front of you. You probably want to just add 10 feet of distance. Would you like Mm -hmm. me to remind you? That's what these things should be doing. If they shouldn't just be replacing you, they should be based on driver. Exactly. If you could have a mode for that, like, oh, my 16 year old is the one in the car here. So turn on all the tips, all the nannying. I want it on. Well, and you could do that from the camera inside the cabin. So in the latest FSD, I got two strikes. Both of the strikes I got were because I was using the navigation. I was either changing the music, I was using the display, and it knew I was looking at it. And it said eyes on the road. And I thought it was telling me to, you know, move the steering wheel a little bit, which it tells you to do. And so I moved the steering wheel a little bit, and then it still gave me a warning. And then I realized, oh, it said, keep your eyes on the road. So it's now watching your eyes and it knows where your pupils are and it knew mm-hmm. my pupils were looking too much at the dash i didn't know i was doing that yeah i just assumed i was driving perfectly uh so th- the coaching aspect of this could be amazing okay i think that's the show i think so delightful congratulations to loft dynamics raised 20 million dollars from craft yes. ventures sky dayton and up ventures congrats two of my and besties. i for one welcome our neo in the matrix future let's go i want to jack let's in go. and learn the things commodification <laughs> Bye, everybody Bye. <laughs>